0: Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast. I'm Judy Stevens. I'm Sana Monet. And I'm Angelique Rocher. And hey, you cool cats and kittens, uh, we are still recording <laughs> from home. Judy has clearly been watching a lot of Tiger King. So have I. You've been preparing to say
1: that. I know you've been preparing to say that oh, all week. All week. Angelique, what have you been up to?
2: I'm not watching that series, I am on strike. <laughs>
1: All right. So, one of the things that we've all been reading is a fantastic new comic book series called Strange Academy. If you guys have not. Heard about it. It's written by Scotty Young, drawn by Umberto Ramos. And it's about a school of young magical sorcerers. Doctor Strange is the one who puts it together, but there's a lot of delightful new characters. And it kind of takes Marvel in a place that we haven't really
2: gone before. And it also has a lot of legacy characters. You mentioned Doctor Strange, but there's also Brother Voodoo and Magic and a lot of other folks we really love. But also... It takes place in New Orleans. Yeah. I'm slightly biased because that is home for me. And I honestly have to say that Louisiana really comes through on every page. I always talk about New Orleans being a character of its own and so just really loving when people can bring that to life for readers. It's just amazing.
1: We had Kathleen Wisneski who is an associate editor. Uh big shout out. She got a promotion this year. So congrats to Kathleen on that. That is actually a really big achievement. You guys have no idea how hard it is to get promoted as editors. So she is here with us to talk about the first Strange Academy book, which came out in early March. And Angelique and I talked about the characters, the story behind it, and also kind of what Kathleen does as an associate editor for the series.
2: We also talked about the power of books with a younger cast of characters because she's also worked on The Runaways, which is another one of my personal favorites. And there seems to be a special sauce that comes with creating a really cool storyline, a really cool book that involves a younger ensemble.
3: When you start with young kids, there's always a chance to see them try to become better than themselves. This
0: sounds like such a great conversation. So let's take a listen in.
3: Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, Kathleen. How you doing? I am good, as good as I can be. I'm excited to be here and to be talking to you remotely.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping you're comfortable in like your pajamas and chilling <laughs> while you're talking to us from your apartment.
3: <laughs> yes, this is the ideal situation in which to have this conversation. No attempt at making my hair presentable. I'm
2: ready to talk about comics.
1: Although Angelique looks amazing. She's got her makeup done.
2: <laughs> but... But I will also say that I am wearing a very comfy pair of socks and a lovely, lovely pair of yoga pants. So it may be party on top, but it is loungewear on bottom. (laughs)
1: Okay, well, me and Kathleen are loungewear everywhere. So yeah. (laughs) Um, So Kathleen, you've been on our podcast before you've been on our panels, you're obviously a woman of Marvel through and through. Why don't you introduce yourself to the folks out there?
3: Sure. I have been at Marvel something like four and a half years. My boss is executive editor Nick Lowe. And so I assist on Amazing Spider-Man, which comes out twice a month, and is an entire job in itself, but is a great comic book, and I'm so excited to be working on it, and so proud to be working on our flagship Spider-Man title. We work on a couple other books besides that, Runaways, best comic book being produced by Marvel Comics right now, no arguments accepted, and... um, A Strange Academy, of course, which we're going to be talking about, and a few other odds and ends. And then on my own, I am the lead editor on a few projects. I edit Amazing Mary Jane, Mary Jane Watson's very first solo comic book, and also currently Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle, and How to Read Comics the Marvel Way. Were you always a big fan of comics? How did you get into it? I think like a lot of people sort of in my generation, the things that really made me fall in love with Marvel characters were the very excellent cartoons at the time that I was a kid. So the X-Men 90s cartoon had a big influence on me. But I also, I always loved stories and illustrations. Comics were a big part of my family. I have three brothers.
1: (gasps) Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I knew yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, how come I did not know that before? Wow.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, so three brothers, Walter and Richard, were big comic fans, and my dad would go to Mark's Comics in Valley Stream, New York, rest in peace. And bring home comics for them. And he would also bring home a couple Barbie comics for me. Marvel was making Barbie comics at the time with really great art. Some awesome dresses and cool pink convertibles. Those are probably worth checking out again. Public service message. (laughs) (laughs) But what really made me fall in love with superhero comics in the end, which is fitting to mention, given our current conversation, is Mark Wade and Umberto Ramos's Impulse comics for DC, which was a young character, sort of a spin-off of Flash. And those issues, I fell in love with the characters in a way that I never did with even the X-Men. Like as cool as those character designs were and as big as that world felt, the small personal story combines with these huge earth-shattering things that you have to deal with, like literally the world is about to end. Oh, but also the girl that I like (laughs) doesn't like me (laughs) at the same time was what made me like really love comic books.
2: So it seems like in your family, you have the coolest job. Like, I just (laughs) I just imagine that your brothers are all like, so yeah, so our sister is the one who makes comic books. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) What do you think is the coolest thing about your job?
3: Oh, man, there are lot of cool things about my job I think what I love the most is being able to talk about story and character all the time I can have a silly shoot the breeze conversation with my boss or with my other editors just like what do you think daredevil would do in this situation And that is a thing that I get paid for. And that's not a lunch conversation that goes on for too long that I'm not supposed to be having. But of course, the other thing, which, you know, even when deadline pressures are out of control and maybe I've had a bad day and I'm wondering if I know what I'm doing at all, I still get to be on the emails when these incredible world-class artists are sending in just unbelievable works of art that each page belongs <laughs> in a museum for someone to look at for hours at a time. But no one does, because <laughs> we put them in 20 page stories. And I get to look at those and I get to see them. And I get to see the scratchy lines that the penciler made while they were changing their mind about how exactly the person's head should be turned. And then I get to see what the anchors do with light and shadow. And I get to see the magic that colorists do in not enough time to do their job. And no matter how I'm feeling about myself, I have to count myself lucky when I'm looking at the art. Wow. That's awesome. OK, so we're
1: here to talk about Strange Academy by Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos. You're talking about all-star talent, those two guys. They've been in the industry for a while. I remember when Scotty pitched this concept in a creative retreat a couple of years ago, and everyone immediately jumped on it. And Kathleen, you and Nick Lowe are editing the series. It's very different than anything that we've done before, but why don't you tell us what it's all about? Sure.
3: So the basic idea is that magic has been a part of the Marvel Universe since the very beginning. Uh, Doctor Strange has been around for decades, but we don't have a school for magic. And it seems sort of strange that Marvel didn't have a place where kids who were just learning about magic, just practicing with it on their own, could go and learn. And of course, the in-story explanation for that is that, well, <laughs> magic is absurdly dangerous and really kids shouldn't be messing around with it at all. But we set up this huge danger, this big sort of prophecy that Dr. Strange decides he he has to be prepared for. So it's finally this chance to explore the origins of magic in the Marvel Universe, to look at how people who used to be regular people interact with magic, what makes a Marvel magician different from a Marvel superhero, a mutant. And in the midst of doing that, we get to tell stories about growing up and how your relationship with grown ups changes in the midst of incredible, challenging circumstances. Also, another thing that we're doing that we don't always get to do with Marvel is think about all the different audiences that we hope are going to read Strange Academy. A lot of our comics are sort of geared towards an adult audience. We, we hope that anyone who is interested will pick up a comic book and read it, but they are sort of stories for a general adult audience. And Strange Academy, we're hoping, will be something that kids see themselves in, that People in middle school and high school will also be interested in reading as much as adults are. So Umberto is sort of thinking about things like a lower panel count and what the lettering should look like. We've designed a, a lettering scheme that's a little bit bigger.
2: And one of the things I love about this book is one... Obviously, there are different magical beings from different types of magic that do different types of magic, including Brother Voodoo. And I kind of bring Brother Voodoo up because I was having this conversation with Scotty right when this idea was kind of forming. And I'm from Louisiana. And so Scotty was like, the best part, it's in New Orleans. And I'm like, what? I'm always excited when Marvel gets to go to New Orleans because it means that it opens up this beautiful world that... I know like inherently as a kid was magical, right? Like New Orleans is just a magical place. I hear though that there was a New Orleans trip that occurred just to ensure that like we got New Orleans down to a T because it's such a distinct and unique place, right?
3: Yeah, and we're so, so lucky to be able to do that because like you said, I mean, my only experience with New Orleans has been through movies and novels and things like that. And Scotty had been there a few times for like birthday party sorts of things. And I think Umberto had been through the area going to a con years ago, but that was in like January. So it wasn't the best time to show it off. So we were so lucky that we were able to take this sort of short weekend trip to New Orleans as a team so it was uh Scotty his wife who's a photographer and took amazing pictures while we were there Nick me Danny Kazam who's also assisting on editing the book and Umberto and <laughs> I think that's everyone and we were able to spend time just in New Orleans walking around Umberto did sketches while he was there we took pictures we went on a, a swamp tour we walked around the French Quarter we went to listen to live music and of course it's it's not even close to what you would hope to understand from having lived there but it is such a unique place and dripping with atmosphere and so beautiful and it's informed the book in ways that we couldn't possibly explain but I think looking at the pages and how lush the detail is you can tell that it's definitely shaped umberto's thinking and also in the scripts like scotty can say this looks like that incredible gate that we passed by and we are lucky to have this shorthand and hopefully bring a real sense of place to the book i love it nick was
1: telling me that you guys were like inspired by the lampposts that were torches yeah. And then it influenced some of the character direction. Is that true?
3: That is true. Uh, there's a lot of gas lamps around in New Orleans. So the light flickers and you have pockets of total darkness and total light and it. it sort of makes everything around it look like it's moving And so it was while we were there that Scotty and Umberto came up with this idea for a villain that we'll be introducing relatively soon with those flickering light kind of eyes. And that's, that's not the only one. We're also one of the big threats that you're going to get to in the first arc is sort of inspired by some of the gnarled and weird shapes of trees that we saw on the swamp tour. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: I love that. Like that makes me like utterly happy about this concept that New Orleans in and of itself is such a character. I'm just so much more excited for folks to get their hands on it because it's Marvel's New Orleans.
1: Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the group that we meet at the top and where you guys are trying to take these young magicians?
3: Sure. Yeah. We started with a point of view character, Emily Bright, who comes from the Midwest And someone that should hopefully be like easy for readers to identify with. And then right from there, every other magic kid you meet has a really distinctly Marvel history. So you you have Emily and then she gets to New Orleans and her roommate is Shaley, who is a half fairy. And she's very enthusiastic and bubbly, but you find out that she's overcome a, a rough past. And then there's Doyle Dormammu, who is the illegitimate son of the great dark god Dormammu. And so we are watching Doyle and seeing what kind of impact nature versus nurture has in his development. And there are the two brothers from Asgard, Alvi and Eric, blonde, very handsome, very self-assured young men who maybe needs to be taken down a notch, or maybe not. We have Gus, who is a frost giant, who was brought to the school by Loki. And so as soon as you put Loki on the table, you know that there's a chance for some mischief down the line. It is a a big cast.
1: It's a packed book,
3: yeah. There's a lot of people (laughs) in it. (laughs) As much as I'm saying, there is so much more to discover. And that's the really exciting thing about a big cast like this.
2: Well, and I think it's also interesting because it's a young cast. I feel like there's, I hate to use the word magic, but I'm going to use it anyway. There's a special magic to putting together, not just an ensemble book, but like an ensemble book that is particularly geared towards young people. And so what do you think is unique about working on books that feature young adults or younger folks banding together, like Strange Academy and like, you know, our favorite, The Runaways?
3: <laughs> it's something I've thought a lot about. I went to school for adolescent education for a while, and uh, just the adolescent brain and stories about adolescents are things that I've been interested in for a long time. Because it, it is sort of strange that we all, like our whole culture, enjoys these stories about high schoolers, and, and like it's so enduring and. It's sort of universal, and and why is it that we don't all grow out of it? How is it that a story about seventeen year olds is just as compelling to thirteen and seventeen year olds as it is to, you know, forty and fifty year olds? And we're all still watching The Breakfast Club, and I, I think that there are a lot of things that add to the that alchemy or magic of the situation, and that's that it is such a highly intensely emotional time. Like your brain is still developing, your hormones are all over the place and you'll never feel as strongly about a deeply held belief as you do when you're 13 14 15 and so there is so much more opportunity for drama a lot of people shout at each other in marvel comics but it it never feels more real than when it's a a teenager saying you don't know who i am at all Um, so that's always a moment for excitement and then also they're so they're so vulnerable and there's so much room to grow Someone like Captain America and someone like Spider-Man are great role models and it is so fulfilling to read a story about someone who you can rely on and who embodies the ideal behavior in, in most situations, but actual people aren't like that and when you start with young kids, there's always a chance to see them try to become better than themselves or to understand what happens to make someone go from good to bad? Something we're going to be looking at in Strange Academy like, what makes someone turn away from what they used to know to be right? Or what makes someone go against the things that they've been taught? And there's so much you can learn about human nature looking at people who are in this really volatile time and just so many raw emotions, the interpersonal relationships are so much more fraught with insecurity and questioning and imagination. And it's just, it's just great. There's just it's so much opportunity for drama.
1: And I feel like also, I don't know if you agree with this, Kathleen or Angelique, but like, I feel like so much of us are going through our younger years in our head constantly, like reevaluating, evaluating like what it was like, because it they're obviously the most formative years of our life, like middle school, high school, all of that. You are trying to obviously figure out who you are, but it's one of those things where I replay moments in my head of things that I experienced when I was younger. Like it's its own little mini series where everything was like so dramatic, but in the moment it wasn't, but in my head now it all is. I obviously love YA middle grade stories about young people. And I think a part of it is that, is that we're constantly connecting to this part of ourselves, That is an important part, and I truly love YA stories just for that purpose alone. What do you think is the message that you want readers coming away from after they put down that first arc, or even just that first issue?
3: The first issue, I hope that readers come away with a sense of intrigue and possibility. I hope that they feel like explorers who have just turned a corner and seen a huge, new, beautiful vista of a part of the Marvel Universe that like a world that they thought they knew, there's actually this whole huge area to explore. And at the end of the first arc, I hope that we've made a place where you could look at the world with fresh eyes, without cynicism, but with questioning.
2: I love that. This is such a new and interesting open door for young adult readers, for older adult readers. But you know, do you feel like this is going to open more and more and more doors to kind of explore this side of magic within Marvel across the board? Because again, every single one of these characters, I think like the older legacy characters have cool stories and cool canon. But now this is like the first time I think some of us will see them all together in one series.
3: Yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, we're not doing much to focus on the adult characters for obvious reasons, but like I I would love if we could do a mini series that just focuses on the adults and how do they make that faculty break room not devolve into a magic slinging fight fest? Um I think that I would love to just see the world expanded the way you know, so many parts of the existing Marvel Universe
2: happen. I could just imagine that break room and what <laughs> uh, teacher bonding night at the Bullen Alley even looks like with that oh, faculty. man,
3: yeah.
1: It makes sense to actually delve into the magic in the Marvel Universe and what that means and seeing it through young people's eyes. It's a different kind of thing. And I think we've done a a good job of trying to establish rules for magic. So it can't just be a free for all. And it can't just be easy for people to, you know, just say certain words. And suddenly they can conjure up a dinosaur. Like there has to be some ramifications of it. But I love that we're getting deeper into just exploring more stories with magic i feel like it's something that we've needed to do for a while kathleen like who would you say are the breakout characters of the series so far like the next doctor strange
3: well i i think doyle Drummond has to be one of them because i love doyle. everyone yeah everyone loves doyle um he's such a good design like as soon as you see him you want to see him in video games and you want to see him on the big screen and he's so lovable but also his future is so uncertain that it's really it's it's hard to look past it and, and also like we've had we've had the best response to him ralph macchio a legendary marvel editor comes around the office sometimes used to be Nicklo's boss they like to talk about old times and uh, he said you know that first strange academy issue, it's really great. You guys did a great job with it. But I just I just don't think that Dormammu would have a son. But I can tell that this is a battle that I've lost. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's so My
2: funny. first thought was like, how did we get how okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's so funny. But that's that's just goes without saying. Like you you make a great character, it doesn't matter what the rules are anymore, you just have to let it go.
2: Yeah. Throw to him to out the window. Go. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to ask, and I I always ask this question knowing that I probably won't get the answer that I want, but what can we look forward to in upcoming issues of Strange Academy without you spoiling it? Mm
3: -hmm. I mean, we've given like some hints about these specific villains that you can look forward to. So, you know, when does Gaslight show up? What is their deal? Uh, When do these swamp villains show up? And how are they? going to complicate the situation where we know that the goal of Strange Academy is to train these kids in magic to deal with something really dire that's coming is it these the villains is it something else <laughs> and of course you can also look forward to the characters relationships with each other developing we we've already sort of set up some basic two character like these two don't like each other these two do these ones get along But of course, that's going to be changing over time. And so how far do we get towards the end of the arc? Will there be a smooch? Uh, These are definitely things to check in for the next issues. Did you see a smooch? Yes, I did. did. Oh, it's
1: 1961. (laughs) 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 Okay, so for folks who are really excited about Strange Academy, what else do you have going on that you can talk about that you're excited about? as well
3: um if strange academy sounds like fun to you and you're not reading runaways you're dumb and you should be <laughs> reading runaways <laughs> um <laughs> we uh we do have a character who is a child of the gibworm who were the original big bad old gods of the first runaway series uh, and he's become an ongoing character and the next arc sort of explores what it's like for him to continue to live in the world. So if young people in magic sounds like fun to you, that's something to stick around for. Plus Gert is going back to high school and who would have thought that would happen. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So runaways is worth checking out. And the totally other side of the spectrum, Nick and I were working on Punisher Soviet, which is uh, one of Marvel's max books. And that just finished up a six issue. It's a limited series Garth Ennis and Jason Burroughs and Nolan Watered on Colors, and it is just uh, really gorgeous and really disturbing and <laughs> will make you depressed about the world in case you weren't already, but for a different <laughs> reason. So uh, that's that's worth looking into. And then, uh, of course, Spider-Man's always happening. And I'm so excited about How to Read Comics the Marvel Way, which I, I can't begin to talk about because there's too much to say, but it's Chris Hastings and Scott Koblish and Nolan Watered again. And Travis Lanham doing an incredible job on lettering. And it's a very weird book that hopefully will teach you how to read comics while also
2: entertaining you. I love that you're on brand with the weird. It makes me so happy. (laughs)
1: Thank you. I should also note that Garth Ennis, even though, yes, he writes really dark stories, he does it in the most delightful way possible. So even if it's like dark and depressing, like I will read anything that that man puts down. He's just so talented.
3: Yeah. And there is a at least a smile or a chuckle in every issue, even if it's for the darkest possible reason. Totally. (laughs) Totally.
2: (laughs) So, uh, Kathleen, where can people follow you on the interwebs?
3: People can follow me at Wright Nesky on Twitter and I have an Instagram account which I use very rarely. <laughs> so Twitter is the the place to look for any updates about the stuff I'm working on. Awesome.
1: Kathleen, thank you for taking the time. And I hope you have a great rest of
0: your day.
3: Yeah, thanks so much.
1: Thanks again to Kathleen for joining us. We always love having her and her fellow editors on the show.
2: If you want to pick up Strange Academy, you can meet all of these new characters and support your local comic book shop in the process. All you got to do is reach out to your local retailer about services they may offer, including holding or creating pull lists, curbside pickups, special deliveries, and I know folks have a lot of other options. You can find your local comic book shop at comicshoplocator.com. And over here at Marvel.com, we have a big list of local comic book shops
0: that are open for business. As we continue to self-isolate, we really want to keep showing them love and support. You can follow any one of us on Twitter, um, specifically Agent M, H&M Ryan Panagos from This Week at Marvel, because he's been tweeting up a storm of different shops, retweeting and all that jazz. So go show them some love.
2: Oh, oh, oh. And speaking of that, do you have any reading recommendations, stories you've been catching up on at home, Sana, Judy? I know you guys have been reading comic books.
1: Well, you know what's awesome is that I just found out that Marvel Unlimited is posting a bunch of free new comics. There's actually so many comics up there that are classic runs that if you are trying to just get back into comics or start comics for the first time, there's a lot for everyone. My personal favorite is Black Panther by Ta-Nehisi Coates. That first volume is up there. Mm. Obviously, it's a seminal run and it's a big deal because it's also ta first time writing comics for us. And having seen the behind the scene process of him trying to figure out how to write for comics and him thinking that he's struggling with it and then you read that first volume and you're like what are you talking about man it's so good it's so fantastic so for those of you who have heard of black panther or somehow through the films or something like that and you want to read a really great storyline marvel unlimited we have that full list on marvel.com so check
0: that out what what about you guys If you're just looking for some great OG Captain Marvel stories, you can read Captain Marvel from 2014, number one, and the corresponding arcs, which are just good classic stuff with that style from Jamie McKelvey. I mean, that is also, by the way, a series that I edited,
1: which was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. I did work. Well done. I made a comic.
2: I went a little further back than you guys because I have a special particular love for Claremont and Cockrum and their work. And also, as many times as I've read the Dark Phoenix Saga, I still want to read it again. One, mm-hmm. because every time I read it, I'm like, okay, so someone made a decision for this to happen. Cool, 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 cool. This is how we got here. But also <laughs> like the Dark Phoenix Saga being such a seminal X-Men story that is influenced almost every single x-men property project ever including the animated series is just so great and it's always a lot of fun to go back and storm's costumes are so great and that's all i have to say about
1: that yeah and the art the art is just so fantastic it's yeah. it is the the art style that is inspired so much from animation to cosplaying to just everything it's it's really really beautiful so i'm looking through the pages right now it's quite easy to access these comics by the way it's about a couple
0: of clicks away i mean marvel unlimited is really quite an amazing experience it's great for new readers or returning readers i mean there's just so many comics tens of thousands of comics up there so it's definitely something to keep you busy maybe keep your teenager busy yes curl up
1: and uh you know get your computer get your laptop out
2: or get and your phone because you can access it from from yes. the Marvel Unlimited app for both iOS and Android. I don't know how you iOS people do it. I'm sure it's very easy. I am an Android <laughs> user, but it sounds great and very accessible.
0: Well, what I do is I start with my cool cat and I put him in my lap. <laughs> oh God, we couldn't get away. We we had to have more than one reference.
1: Full oh, circle.
2: Full oh, circle. Oh, oh well, if you've been reading something you really enjoy, make sure you tell us about it because we've been talking about all the things that we love. Send us an email to womenof@marvel.com or tweet at us at Marvel using the hashtag women of Marvel or Judy, Sena, what are your Twitters so that they can also tweet at you? I am minib622. There's a story in there,
1: reference to my first comic book job, and I'm I just can't change it.
0: Um, and you can follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at OMG underscore DJ underscore Judy. Angelique, what's your
2: Twitter? It is Angelique Rocher. Huh. <laughs> and uh at Instagram, it's a little fancier. It's Angelique Rocher Official. Mm. They're more than one of us. Interesting.
0: Okay, I think that's it for this week. We'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.
1: Women of Marvel is produced by Rebecca Seidel and Zachary Goldberg, along with me, Sana Amanath, Judy Stevens, and Angelique Rocher.
0: Our audio development manager is Kieran Heffa, and Jill Duboff is our director of audio.